Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I just had a call with Dylan from our members community. Um, that was good fun. That was, that was the start to my day. And yesterday, I had an intense day of practice mostly practicing guitar and now my fingers on my left hand are absolutely destroyed oh like, nice it's unbelievable <laughs> have you got like the, the 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 lines in the fingers yeah yeah i've got the lines the thing is i i've had the i've had the calluses for like i don't know a week or two now so like it doesn't it doesn't hurt on the surface in the same way that it used to but now the pain is actually a, a few layers deep like when i put pressure i feel like a, a a different kind of pain it's it's not like a surface level it's it's not a pain on the surface. I feel like the nerves inside of my finger have been like attacked or something. Okay, it's, I mean, it's mad. They probably have. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you thought about taking a break from guitar for maybe for a few days? Yeah, I think I I I I went quite hard yesterday, and now and now it actually just really hurts. So I think I'll, I I will need to take a break for a few days. Okay. Have you have you got a capo yet? I do have a capo. Yeah. Okay. Because capo on three or capo on five is a, a more chill way of playing the, playing the same stuff. Yeah. Like it sounds really fun. I'm really, I'm really glad I took it up. It's starting to make sense, I think. Nice. What's your model for the guitar? Like your, your mental model? Okay, my mental model is like I know what the strings are. Like I know what the notes on the strings are. Oh, you do? I don't. I have to. I still have to go E B G E B G D A E every time. Well, no. I, I know that those are the. I know that those are the notes on the strings. Okay. And then I've I've like memorized some chord shapes, and then from one, you know, if if I. You know, like if I'm playing a G chord or something, based on the fact that I know the shape and I know the notes on the strings, I'll then know, you know, if I want to make it a seven, you know, a seventh or something, I'll know what I need to like, you know, I, I can figure out what I need to press down Hold or up. something. Back the f up. <laughs> you're saying when you play a G chord, you can, you just know what notes you're playing. Sorry? You're saying when you play a G chord, you actually know which notes you're playing. No, it look like, for example, if I, if I'm playing the G chord, and then I'm like, okay, I want to like, I want to play G7 or something before I go yeah. to the next chord. Yep. And then I'll sit there and for about five five seconds and think, okay, so this is the this is the, okay, so this is the seventh or whatever. So like, it, it takes it take it takes manual processing to figure that stuff out. Or if or if I'm like playing the chord and I'm, and I'm like, okay, I want to like do something where I, you know, play a couple of notes, you know, and then go to like the next thing, then like. In, in sort of 10 seconds, I can figure out those notes and then, you know, that kind of thing. So I think knowing the chord shapes plus knowing what the default strings are. Okay. That, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. And so then pretty I, impressive. I, I can like, figure out some middle stuff. That's like a, a level above where I am at. And I've been playing guitar for like six years at this point. What do you mean? Like, what are you doing on it? <laughs> like, the, the, this is the stuff I'm, I'm actively working on it uh, in, in terms of like... When I play a G chord, like knowing instinctively what, for example, if I play a G chord on the piano, I just know it's like a G, B, and a D because right, I, yeah. know that, I, I, yeah. I just know that those are the notes. Yeah. Whereas on the guitar, it's, I don't know that those are the notes. It's like, I know, I know I'm playing a G on the bottom string. 
The next one is like, oh God. <laughs> um, right, so that's an A string. So that's a B. I think I'm playing a B on the next one. You know, that, that sort of vibe. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what I've described. Like it takes like 10 seconds or something to figure out where you're at and figure out. Okay, and then you're thinking you want to play a G7, therefore I want to add in an F or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you think, okay, what's the easiest way to add in an F? So maybe I put like, you know, first fret on the E string. Yeah, something like that. Okay. But in, in this case, you wouldn't do, I don't think you'd do that, but yeah. Um, fine. Yeah, the way that I've always thought of it is, Basically, if there is a seven in the song, I ignore the seven. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Um, and if, if I absolutely have to, there are those patterns like a G bar chord. If you take the pinky off, it becomes a seven. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the, I, I think in terms of those sorts of patterns rather than in terms of what, what, are, the, what are the actual notes I'm playing. Um, but I'm trying to get more to that level of actually having a, an understanding of what I'm playing rather than just the, you know, I'm going to start with a claw, then I'm going to go into the old lady, then I'm going to go into the <laughs> which is like basically how I've been playing guitar for the last six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it depends on the songs, right? Because like I I learned Hey Jude um, last week. Oh, that's and, that's good to have sevens in it. And yeah, that like a lot of um, what gives it its, its feel is like um, the sevens that are thrown in there. And so you can't really have Hey Jude without without the sevens, oh. right? <laughs> I think you'll find you can. <laughs> It just won't sound a lot like Hey Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's really fun. Um, I, I'm i currently learning Brown Eyed Girl, which is my favorite song and the best song. And I think after I'm happy with that, mm. then I want to start learning some like finger style stuff. Because, yeah, I think I think I really bought the guitar to learn Brown Eyed Girl <laughs> because it's, it's, it's not the same on the piano. Uh, like there's, particularly like the percussive aspect of it you can't i can't really recreate it on the piano and so i think once i have that down then i'll try and move on to some greener pastures that's a, a, a pretty rogue song like why brown eyed girl of all things it's just an absolute banger no i think it's because like i think there's some nice sort of syncopation in there um and i think i've always just like been really into that do you want to give us a quick rendition while while we're here I, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know what the song goes like other than you're my brown eyed girl all right let me get the guitar awesome go for it you got this this, this is brown eyed girl hey where did we go days when the rains came down in the hollow playing a new game Laughing at a running, hey, hey, skipping at a jumping in the misty morning fog with our, our hearts thumbing in you, my brown eyed girl. You, my brown eyed girl. So something nice. like that mate that's really good i'm I, I need to get a lot more cleaner and faster at switching between the chords that's actually so sick and it still currently takes too much thinking for me to actually play this stuff so then i can't really focus on the singing too much but yeah that's kind of where i'm at mate that's fantastic i think you. this is a real a real good illustration of how like when you say you bought the guitar to learn brown eyed girl um i i imagine there are a lot of people who are like oh i want to learn the guitar but also it was just similar to I want to learn to code. But if you don't have a project, a defined project to work towards, it's actually very hard to just learn the guitar or just learn to code. Unless you yeah. go to bring the awkward slash not overthinking. Um, 
but like having that project i think i think was was, was really good um there's a, a lot of people i know who learned the guitar in order to play um icy fire <laughs> from, okay. uh, uh and i i bought the guitar to learn how to play tears in heaven <laughs> when i saw someone play tears in heaven oh, and it was, yeah, it was yeah. sick and i was like oh man, <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to learn how to play tears in heaven yeah so, that's really cool nice yeah that's where i'm at how long have you been playing it so far i think it's been like six or seven weeks now but really i think on saturdays i practice a decent amount so i probably practiced like a couple of hours yesterday okay. and then during the week it's just like i don't know Middling. a few minutes in between activities and stuff like that but i think i think a few a few minutes is kind of what you need to just get more quicker with things yeah like do you do deliberate practice or is this i i guess you're at the stage where even just playing that same song yeah over and over yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. that is that, that is deliberate practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah oh that's really cool yeah so that's kind of uh, the big thing in my life at the moment how how are things with you things are good i feel i feel like it's been a long time since we've chatted um yeah we didn't do a podcast last week we actually had a couple of bad reviews saying like <laughs> stop with the in between episodes <laughs> would people rather we don't put out an episode at all or wait let me let me see the reviews uh Okay, there's a review saying, this is me raising my opinion. It's a three-star review. Not loving the inconsistency, my man. Neither the filler episodes. And then the next review is, love the podcast, but please stop the Ali filler episodes. Uh, hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast from the start and I'm a big fan, but I really don't like the in-between episodes. They feel like an extension of Ali's YouTube channel, which I don't think fits the vibe of the podcast. I listen to the podcast because I find it really enlightening and positive, particularly hearing Tamil's viewpoint on a lot of things. The in-between episodes are more focused on the hustle slash grind uh, and without Tamil there to rebut, rebut with an Agnes Callard quote, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, what are the... I actually don't... I don't listen to the in-between episodes myself. Is it... What are they generally about? Is it just like hustle, you know, stuff? Um, I think that's an unfair, unfair characterization. I think some of them are about the hustle stuff. Like the one we had a few weeks ago with Justin Khan was about actively not the hustle stuff about yeah. like burnout. And oh, I listened to that one actually. That was really good. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I think there was, there was one with Brandon Sanderson, which I guess was more about the hustle and stuff. If you call like the art and the business of writing hustle, <laughs> like, like it's a bad thing. The one last week was with um, a journalist called Anna who has written a book, I guess, uh, you, you know, about how to work for yourself. And so we just, we, we've, we've been talking about her life, her life as a sort of freelancer and like yeah. what it takes to, I don't know, make it in, in that world and how okay. long it takes to get. Yeah. So I will. It's, it I, sounds fairly hustly. Yeah. I, I, guess, I, I guess you could brand that one in the Sanderson one as, as like, a, you know, this is a hustle thing. But yeah. But I, I did enjoy the Justin Khan one. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the real issue <laughs> is that when we don't do an episode, we can't just not do an episode because we have a sponsor lined up for it. And mm. so. I need to talk to the sponsors and be like, like, I'd be interested to hear from you guys, like li listeners, if you, if you comment on YouTube, would you rather we don't have in between episodes at all? And if we skip a week, we just skip a week. Because we can probably make that happen. I can probably just message a sponsor and be like, hey, brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> didn't do an episode this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just really tired. <laughs> so um, <laughs> please don't pay us for this one. Uh, let's just do it next week instead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe that note, I, think, I think the YouTube, I think the YouTube thing is interesting. Um, we seem to get a, a fair amount of comments on uh on the youtube videos which is quite cool so if you're if you do consume the podcast but you haven't checked out the youtube channel that might be a nicer way to consume it because then there's a bunch of comments from other people and you can kind of yeah engage yeah that's interesting um the the the, the other big thing in my life is in fact we work oh. uh, yeah i've been we working for the last like two weeks 
Yeah. Um, for the uninitiated, WeWork is a kind of co-working space. Uh, a co-working space is this place where you go to ha hang out with other people and you all kind of work together. Mm. I, well, no, it's not quite that. It's it's like you go to a it's it's like a big kind of library where everyone just goes and does their own thing, but it's like got startup vibes. So there's like a table tennis table, table football table. There's like free tea, free coffee. They even have a beer tap, which is out of action these days. Uh, what a shame, uh, thanks to COVID. And it's just like a generally nice. They've got like these soundproof pods where you can just go in for half an hour of time to if you if you have a phone call to take. Um, and WeWork is interesting because they've got like dozens of these co-working locations all around the world in like major cities. So in the UK, there's like five of them in London. There's like one in Cambridge, Oxford, Edinburgh, Birmingham, etc. And they've got this like they were hit really hard by COVID because obviously no one was going to co-working spaces. And they also had a disastrous like IPO where there was some. Like, I don't quite know the, the the full details about this, but it, but but my understanding is that they tried to go public, but then there was all sorts of dirt that was dug up about like the founders and how they kind of scammed money from the company and basically a really bad like PR state for them. And so I just hadn't really like I, I'd heard the news around this like I don't know a year or two ago when it happened. Um, and then the other day I was speaking to another YouTuber friend of mine called Hannah Witten, who was um, sort of gushing about this new like studio space that she's got and how amazing it is to have like an office to work in. And so I just kind of Googled co-working spaces Cambridge and WeWork <laughs> came up as like, I was, oh yeah, there is a WeWork in Cambridge. Yeah. And so I spoke to someone on their sales team within like a few minutes <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I'm you know, genuinely interested me and my team members, like what would this cost? And it's, it's around about 300 quid a month per person for like their hot desk membership thing where you can just rock up and use any of the desks. I was like, oh, okay, mm, a bit expensive. And then he was like, we actually have a 30 day free trial on. And I was oh. like, what? <laughs> you do? <laughs> he was like, yeah, do you want to sign up for it? I was like, yes, when can I start? He was like, well, you can start from right now if you like. <laughs> so I just signed up to the 30-day free trial and I signed up me and Angus and Sheen <laughs> as part of uh, my company. Yeah, so yeah. We all have this 30-day free trial to WeWork where we can just rock up 24-7, use the facilities, play table tennis, play table football, take advantage of free tea and coffee. Yeah. Um, and this has been actually so sick, like to be able to go to work and go to a place outside the house. Mm. Um, so like yesterday morning, I woke up at like 6 a.m. or something and then I couldn't go back to sleep. So I just cycled over to WeWork at like 8. And I just spent the whole day there. And Angus came over, Lucia came over, my friend Matthew came over. So like I've basically messaged all, everyone I know in Cambridge to be like, guys, this WeWork thing. <laughs> yeah. And now we all kind of go there together to have co-working sessions, which is really nice. Um, sounds like a blast. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's actually so sick. Uh, I'm never going back to the work from, from work from home lifestyle. It is literally number <laughs> one. It's so much better to just be able to cycle for 10 minutes yeah. to WeWork <laughs> and just kind of sit there doing exactly the same stuff, just not at my desk. It's all about the commute and the office. <laughs> it's all about being in the office from nine to five, having a lunch hour. Clear separation between work and life. <laughs> no, it's actually so sick. Um, the the other so I'm I'm actually going to go straight after this podcast recording. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, I've got a call with our friend Paul Millard uh, in about an hour and a half. Oh, awesome! So what are you guys What are you guys chatting about? He um messaged me. Say, I think he's writing or writing something about. Oh, he's 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 interested in people who have done the anti hustle life and then are going back into work and what that experience is like. So I'm okay. sort of on the verge of going back into medicine to do like locum shifts and stuff. Right. Uh, so he was interested in in chatting about that. So yeah, going to take that call from WeWork. A few other people are going to join, just, yeah. just hang out. And there's no one around on Saturdays and Sundays there. So it's like we have this huge ass office space to us. It's like having your own personal yeah, private yeah, like, yeah. hotel lobby times five because <laughs> it's yeah. huge. Um, 
and yeah we're now i'm now actually so the, the, the trial is going to expire in about two weeks and so i'm definitely going to have get like a membership to it but i'm even considering trying out their office space situation mm. they, they also have this ridiculous deal it sounds like it's sponsored by WeWork. <laughs> <laughs> they have this ridiculous deal on where it's like if you book a free tour of an office space you can have that office space for free for a month without any other commitments <laughs> and so i hope no one at WeWork is actually listening to this because my friend matthew uh is booking has booked a tour of an office like two days from now <laughs> and the hustle we're going to try and pull is that <laughs> we should probably cut this out now it's fine the hustle we're going to try and pull is that matthew has a team of 10 people <laughs> and oh, is considering moving into the office space for his team of 10 and would therefore like a 10-man office <laughs> oh wow okay. free. and when you have an office it means you can uh, you can get 10 team members who all have card access to the building 24 7 and so like me, Angus, Sheen, Matthew, like Lucia, all of our friends in Cambridge are going to be yep. part of Matthew's entourage. Um, <laughs> so the other day we, we were, because Matthew's a professional magician. So we, we were trying to figure out like, okay, I'm going to be the videographer. Lucia is going to be the social <laughs> impact, corporate social responsibility person. Angus is going to be the operations officer. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case they ask me like, why do you have a team of 10 people as magicians? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of children's parties. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually just loving the WeWork life never going to go back it's, yeah it sounds like a really great setup right now where it's super cheap and there's no one else around but having frequented WeWorks in london you know pre pre-covid i think there is a lot less charm when there's actually lots of people around um yeah why sorry isn't it isn't it good if you see people around instead of just being there on your own um i don't know so like in 20 in early 2020 slash late 2019 Lucas and I toured a couple of WeWorks just to see, oh, you know, what's the vibe? Do we want to get that? And we just like conclusively decided that it's way better to just have our own flats where we can just work from there and and, and stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think WeWork we seems sick um, when it's empty, but I think you'll feel differently about it when there's more people. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I feel like as well, like if you if you and Lucas were like getting a flat together to have like a as like your own space, I think that would be like a level above the WeWork, which is more like a you know, co-working space membership kind of vibe. Oh, okay, right. Um, I think if you were on your own in a flat to work in, it would be a lot yeah, less fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So I think the the, the insight, the, the, the thing there was the fact that you and Lucas were like together. Oh, okay, right. And the, I think even, even in that context, I would still pick a WeWork office just because of the flexibility. You can just get it for a month at a time. And... Mm -hmm. All, all the things, all the furniture and stuff is taken care of. You just bring your iMac to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, whereas a flat is more of like a lifestyle type setup that you, that you guys had. Yeah, it's definitely lower optionality, but that's what I'm about. Yeah, man. Um, so that's what's new in my life. Started cycling again. That's been nice. Where did you get your haircut from? It's looking a bit weird right now, but I think in your recent video, it was looking quite banging. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, a barbershop called Mr. Polito in Cambridge. Okay. So you, you just go there and tell them like, Hey, a little off the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my circumcision. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, actually, I, I went with my friend, Ahmed, who is a very stylish kind of guy who has good hair. And he was like, like Ali, we need to change your style up. And I was like, sick. And he was like, I'm going to come with you to the, to the barber. I was like, perfect. You can tell him what to do. So he like gave the instructions. He was like, yeah, I'm thinking we like do a little bit off the top. Uh, and, and that was it. <laughs> oh, really? um, and then the guy just kind of went, <laughs> went, went to town. <laughs> And I, I thought it was a little bit short initially, but then I looked at my old videos where I had my whole scraggly hair and scraggly beard and I thought, oh my yeah. God, how could you let me live like this? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me I need to sort this out, man? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of the scraggly beard. I mean, I, I like the scraggly, like, do you think my hair looks scraggly right now? 
I think your hair looks bad. actually reasonably okay. Okay. Uh, you had a haircut, or are you still scraggly mode? I'm still scraggly mode. Oh, it, 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 it looks pretty all right. Have you been on the finasteride? I have, yes, yeah. It looks like more voluminous than it was like two months ago. Um, yeah, I'll probably have a haircut sometime soon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think like I'm going to... Get... I'm going to do like <laughs> the adult thing whereby you get a haircut and then there and then you book your appointment for the next one. <laughs> so it's in the calendar like four weeks that from thing. now or something. Do people do that? Yeah, people people do that. When I go to like the, uh, if I, in like a proper hairdresser barber salon where they where they do appointments, mm. even even when they had a barber at, at, at the hospital where I was working, this is what most, most women would do this. <laughs> most dudes wouldn't do this. But like, I was like, oh, that's actually a really good setup where it's like, would you like to book your next appointment? Well, yes. Because I think with what? the haircut is that it's one of those things that you only, like for me, I only really think about it when it gets too much. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, okay. When it's really bad, yeah. But that's like suboptimal. <laughs> okay. It should be, it should be like a, every month I have a haircut because it's just, okay, you know, it keeps just me presentable. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, I, with my nails, it's like when I notice my typing speed slowing down, I think yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. now it's time to cut the nails. And I actually, I, I did your thing. I, I bought an extra nail cutter just to have it in my bag at all times. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm in WeWork, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can just go to the bathrooms and, uh, you know, do a little clipping. Mate, the bag nail cutter is an absolute no-brainer. Everyone needs to carry a nail cutter in their bag at all times. Like the, the amount of times it saved my life is just incredible. But yeah, that's what's new with me. Anything else new? Um... We've uh, done a, a restructuring of the company and what giving sort of uh, drawing out an org org chart for the eight people in my in my team and figuring out people's defined roles and stuff like that. We did quarterly reviews, uh, oh. quarterly performance reviews for the first time. <laughs> How quarter. did that go? It, it was actually really really good. Um, so Sheen put together like a whole list of questions and I sent them all sent sent them to everyone individually to fill out before our quarterly review meeting. And we had quarterly and and like some of the People like Angus and Christian were like, oh, quality, like this sounds so corporate. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, this sounds really corporate and bad as well. Like this doesn't, isn't, this does not sound like my vibe. But then we did them and they were like, oh my God, this is so helpful. Uh, yeah. And there was some like hard truths that came out of them and like really good info for me to take on point. And yeah, I just realized that, okay, yeah, there's a reason why people do like quarterly performance reviews. It's like a very useful, useful thing. Yeah. Did, um, did you get any good feedback for your for yourself to improve as a boss yes mostly it was around sharing it with us of course uh mostly it was around um clarity of communication and clarity of like what i actually want done because i think my problem is that i would like often like come up with an idea just post it in the slack and then nothing would come of it because i don't know like okay yeah, yeah A, a project without someone in charge of it and without clear objectives, like what are we actually trying to do? It's really very hard for anyone to execute on that. And so in my head, I'm, 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 I'm sort of like, oh, you know, it's just an idea and everyone's kind of doing their own thing and that's fine. But actually just being a bit more like having things written down <laughs> mm. and stuff. Because I think when we were like a team of like two or three people, it was easy enough. Like we we're all talking together so much that it's like, oh, let's do this thing. Cool. And then we'll hash it out in a Slack message thread there and then mm. and it would get done. Whereas now we're eight people. It's like, okay, that 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 doesn't work anymore so there does need to be a level of bureaucracy <laughs> in a way which is the wrong word but like a level of actually having clear objectives having stuff written down and so over the weekend when i was in WeWork with uh, angus lucia and matthew we were like on using one of the whiteboards and one of the conference rooms that was just empty and really trying to figure out what are the actual goals of the business what are we actually trying to do here and then can we you know trying to come, come even come up with like a mission statement which like i was sort of chuckling internally because it just sounded had I 
mission thought statement. I'd be doing this a few years ago. I'd have been like, what, what, what the hell is a mission statement? Like, who cares? Like, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. But now it's like, oh my God, I see why companies have mission statements and why it's actually so hard to come up with one. And why when you're not in that world, if you read a company's mission statement, you're going to think, well, this is the most vague, abstract BS. Possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But actually, there was probably like three months of deliberation that went into crafting that abstract BS. And I was thinking, damn, <laughs> this is actually a lot harder than it looks. So um, what's your mission statement? So the thing we landed on was that we help, oh, what was it? We help people do more of the things that matter to them. <laughs> okay. Uh, this was about after about four hours. <laughs> being like, right. What are we actually trying to do here? Um, other contenders was like, we help people um, get more done while having more fun. And it's like, that didn't quite feel right. The fun thing was, it's like legit, but like, we're not really all about fun and we're not really all about getting more done. It's actually about doing the things that actually matter to you. And then it was like, oh, but that sounds too close to, we help people realize their potential, which sounds like <laughs> too abstract. And it was like, there's, it's, it's, it's similar with the book writing process as well, where the more you simplify something, the, the more you simplify something, there is a point at which you simplify it to a cliche that everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's totally obvious. <laughs> A level or two before then is where you're saying the same thing, but right. <laughs> in a slightly roundabout way that feels not entirely that obvious and feels yeah, a little yeah. bit more insightful. Um, and so well, our thing about like, yeah, real life, we, 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 we help people. So it's like one of this, one of the, one of the elevator pitches for the book is that, um, yeah, it's like the, the, the core message of the book is going to be something around the lines of uh, the, the hidden secret behind the the hidden secret to productivity is to learn to enjoy the journey or words to that effect and like the point of the book is to help people do more of the things that they want to have done but they can't bring themselves to actually do okay yeah or something yeah. like that which to some people sounds like okay that that kind of works um but if you simplify it too much you get to a point the point of the book is to help people follow their dreams <laughs> yeah the, no <laughs> that's not that that's too much yeah there is a level or two above that where it sounds a little bit okay yeah i can i can get on board with that <laughs> right yeah 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 just been doing doing that sort of stuff and now we're trying to figure out okay now if our objective is to if you, if you, if you have the tricky thing on this and I'd, I, I'd love to get your take on this is company mission statements and elephant plus elephant in the brain right so like our mission statement allegedly is to help people do more of what matters to them but elephant in the brain wise, the, the, the reason, a big part of the reason why I'm doing this business and why anyone does any business is because it's fun and because it makes money. But that's like a very selfish reason for doing a thing. And it's not. And so I found it really weird to be trying to craft a mission statement that didn't include, oh, and also I can personally have fun and make money and get status and prestige along the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that is like, you know, 85% of why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the benefit to others is like 15%. And if I didn't have the impact to myself, I probably wouldn't be doing this. And it feels very disingenuous to craft a mission statement, mm -hmm. think like in an, uh, pre pretending that the reason you're doing it is, is altruism, but knowing that the reason, a big chunk of the reason you're doing it is money, fame, status, prestige, fun, etc. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's it just depends on uh, what level of resolution you're looking at, right? So, like, if you ask someone, um, yeah, here's here's an example for you. Like, okay, if if like someone, uh, oh shit, let me just plug my laptop in one sec. There's an there's an old joke from some I can't remember what video game it's from, but it's something like uh, it's it's something like 
lack of oxygen is my only weakness or something like that. Some like villain in a video game says this, <laughs> which is kind of a joke because when people die, my understanding is most of the time when someone dies, the actual thing that kills them is lack of oxygen to the brain. Okay. And so is that correct? It may or may not be. I don't know. <laughs> it may or may not be. <laughs> All right. Don't ask me. <laughs> All right. So, you know, let, let's, say, let's say it's correct. Like yeah, let's, know, let's, at, let's at, at its yeah. core, the reason people die is because their brain doesn't get enough oxygen. But if you ask, you know, if, if like a patient dies or something, you ask, you ask why they died, you know, you're talking to the family and they're asked, oh, what happened? And you're just like, well, I hate to break it to you, but the brain ran out of oxygen. Well, actually they died of like, you know, cancer or whatever, right? Like there, there are levels to these things. And I think, I think the like make money and uh, get social status and stuff is, is in a way the kind of lack of oxygen explanation where like, sure, you, you could go to that level and basically say that everything is for that reason, but it's not terribly useful. Whereas you need to be at the level of like cause of death being like, you know, so, something a bit more, you know, <laughs> a bit more concrete, <laughs> a, a bit lack more concrete. Like, yeah, well, I, I don't know what causes of death are. Unless it actually, I mean, I mean, the, the stuff happening in India these days is very much a lack of oxygen that's killing people, but. Um, right, yeah. Yeah. I know. I see. I see what you mean. It's well. It's no, no. Like, I mean, look. It, for example, if if someone dies with coronavirus, and you, you're like, well, it was a it was a lack of oxygen to the brain. <laughs> that's that's you know less useful than saying they died of coronavirus. Sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, for example, if you're writing a death certificate, you might write you might write you know lack of oxygen to the brain uh, as caused by coronavirus. Okay, right. Like yeah. a section on death of like caused by, caused by, caused by. Yeah. And so on. Um, and so in in your case, it seems like. Yeah, I don't think you're necessarily being disingenuous by saying like, oh, we want people to work on more of the stuff that matters to them or something. Because I, I think the making money in the status thing. It's like that oxygen level of, yeah, oh, that's a good point. It's like how, you know, there are some people that say all human behavior can be boiled down to, uh, I'm just trying to get laid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, okay, fine. If you're, <laughs> if you're going to abstract, okay, fine, whatever. Say, say, yeah. <laughs> but it's not a particularly helpful way of looking at any most problems in life mm, yeah that could work yeah, yeah that's my take stuff there you life. go and now we have to sort of think okay so that, now that's our mission statement now well, what are our like kind of business objectives based on that mm. um and 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 even there there's some level of like elephant in the brainness there because you know are we sort of make more online courses yes it helps people do more of that the stuff that matters to them but it also makes us revenue uh and then you could pretend that the reason we want to make revenue is so to help further our mission of helping more people get more done. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, what are you, what are you actually going to say no to as a result of this mission statement? I, th I think that is the, the the crucial thing about like values and you know missions and stuff is what are you going to not do as a result of this? Oh. And, like, okay. if if you could if you could make a quick buck churning out another course that like you know if you're honest with yourself it's already covered via some of your existing courses. If you could churn out another course, you know productivity for x vertical even though it's, it's basically the same content as like yeah. you know some general product like would you would you really not do that because you, you think of that about the mission um i mean i think productivity for x vertical would be in line with the mission all right anyway like, whatever but like as something where yeah it, i mean okay if I, if I if i had the choice to set up an only fans to make a quick buck i wouldn't do that uh, okay well that's very far removed yeah exactly so like what's that's a, a a very kind of extreme example so i'm just trying to think like what would i not do as a result of knowing that this is the mission statement I think it does help me say, okay, so I think that's a mission statement, but there are, then there are sort of sub missions underneath that. 
And one of them is that I want to become, I, w- I want to increase my brand as a sort of thought leader around this sort of stuff, right? How is that something of the mission? That just sounds like a side quest that you want to do. No, because like, like for example, Tim Ferriss can help people do the stuff that they want to do because he's Tim Ferriss, whereas Joe Bloggs will, will find it difficult to have impact on that scale, for example. Okay. Wait, you, should, you, you had a skeptical look on your face. Surely I mean, <laughs> you're not going to take issue with Okay, it. I agree with that. I'm curious as okay. to where you're going to take this. Okay. Therefore, if Tim Ferriss' ultimate aim is, for example, to encourage mass adoption of psychedelics all around the world, mm. a reasonable way or a reasonable kind of sub sub quest along that path is for him to, him to become famous himself. Yeah, sure. And have influence over people in a way such, such that he can then affect change at an industrial yeah, level. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, sort of the, one of the sub goals is become more famous as a sort of thought leader. Um, it's not become more famous for doing some viral thing. It's not become more famous as like a movie star or a singer. It's literally become famous as a thought leader who writes and thinks a lot about this sort of stuff that helps people do more of what they want. And because that's a submission, that helps, it, that helps me say no to a few other things where, you know, I had the chance to work at some startup a few weeks ago and it would have been cool, but it, does, it, it absolutely does not go towards that mission of that. And therefore I said no to right. it. Okay. I think it's less about kind of the core thing, the main mission statement and what it helps you say no to, because always that's going to be so vague. Like, you know, Microsoft, you know, we empower the world. We're like, okay, what's that going to stop you saying no to? But then yeah. under, underneath that, there are, there are sub, there are like objectives which help you figure out what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. So yeah. I thought a few months ago you came up with, a, you did a similar exercise with your business coach or something and you came up with a, a, a mission statement at the time about something about happy, healthy and productive lives or something, something like that. What yeah, was that? that was more like a, a sort of mission statement for like my YouTube channel, uh, like an intro spiel. Uh, on this channel, we, we share the strategies and tools to help uh, to help us live healthier, happier, more productive lives. Words to that effect, um, which is sort of uh, sort of a, a sub goal of the gig, do more of what matters to you. But yeah, because doing more of what matters to you requires you to be healthy. <laughs> it was, well, it's helpful if you're happy and it's helpful if you're productive. So if you think you hadn't come up with this mission statement, would you have like entertained this random like startup thing? Uh, probably not, because I knew internally that this is the thing that I wanted. But now that I'm sort of in in the process of actually writing writing it down and actually sort of writing down what are our company values, what are our company goals, etc. Yeah. Um, I think the values thing will be will become will will be interesting because it will help us be like, okay, why are we saying no to this thing? Oh, because it's not one of our values. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The 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 values thing is a whole other uh, kettle of fish. Is the mission statement useful for the rest of the team? I feel it would be once it once sort of the mission statement and like it's well well once it's a bit more the the, the layers underneath it are a bit more con- concretized because right now it's a vague mission statement that's like okay cool but that's sort of what we were trying to do anyway but when we can if I can like what I'm thinking is if I can draw like a a tree coming from the mission statement to be like okay therefore these are the di- the different ways in which we're doing it and now you each of these and then these are the different projects under these areas and this is the person responsible for each of these projects i think that would be incredibly helpful for everyone on the team nice it sounds great sounds like you're getting the the roi of the we work yeah it's pretty sick it's also so nice like the the other day um angus and i just had like a content brainstorm session on a whiteboard and it was so 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 helpful just to be just have two people in a room with a whiteboard <laughs> really actually, yeah um and we cooked up some solid ideas for videos 
And then he came over to my place the next day to be to be like the cameraman and the director of photography or whatever for a video for videos we were filming that day. Mm. And that was like amazingly helpful as well. And it was also like a lot more fun because, you know, having having been doing this for like four years now, I, I, fi- I do find it a bit of a drag to like get everything set up and film by myself. And it's always nice having Sheen to shoot thumbnails for me. It just makes it more fun. But the fact that Angus was there and was also invested in this process made it yeah, more yeah. Fun be like all right let's do this together and we're like trying to film three videos in one day mm. so now we're going to do this as like a recurring thing where every thursday or whatever is going to be our filming day where we have stuff prepared beforehand angus comes over in the morning or we go to we work in the morning set up the cameras and then we just bang them out yeah um and i think in that context it's, it's that thing of like the the, the whole is greater than some of its parts or i think our videos that day were better because angus was there than had we been in separate places over zoom or something yeah sure sure yeah, it's always more fun doing stuff with people in person than solo. How are things on the causal causal train? Things are pretty great. Yeah, we've um, we've closed some big deals in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's been a great month um, basically for for causal. We announced our recent fundraise a couple of weeks ago, uh, which got us a bunch of inbound leads, and we've converted some of those into customers. And yeah, I think we're figuring things out. I think we're also we're 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 now pretty confident that we can that people actually want the thing that we're selling slash building and that we have found the right people who care about this the most to focus on over the next kind of 12 to 18 months and now we're kind of trying to optimize various parts of the process so you know a few months ago our sales process used to be that we do like a sort of you know we're trying to sell to the finance team of say like a 200 person company right and the sales process used to be we do one sort of 30 minute demo call where we kind of learn about their needs and we kind of share them a quick demo of the product. And then if they're interested, we do like this sort of four week pilot project with them where we like help them build some stuff in causal, like their own financial models and things so they can understand how the product will work for them. And then at the end of this four weeks, they'd make like the buying decision of like, do I want to do I want to become a causal customer or not? Um, and that's an awful lot of work. And uh now we've gotten the sales process basically down to two calls where we do an initial sort of 30 minute demo if if they seem serious and they're interested then we do a longer sort of personalized demo where you know we do a bit of work to set up like an, a nice example for them in causal um and then we can kind of go through that in more detail and dig into exactly the features that they care about and then at the end of this second call they basically um make the buying decision and so I think optimizing the sales process and like getting getting it down from like this crazy four week thing into this sort of two call thing has been like a real breakthrough. And I, th- I think the 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 interesting learning there is that I don't know why we were doing this four week pilot thing. I don't know why we were doing it. We I think we we just ha- we made a bunch of assumptions about like what people care about. Yep. And like in January, for example, we were assuming that okay, people are going to need to. Okay, these weren't like assumptions completely out of thin air. They were based on like some conversations and things and the general vibe that we'd gotten. But we we assumed that, A, we need some kind of pilot project before people commit to paying money because like, why would anyone just do it without trying it out, basically? So we we, we assumed that people need some kind of pilot project. Um, And then we also assumed that during this pilot project, People need to learn how to use causal. They need to become proficient causal users doing this pilot project. And the pilot project needs to validate the features that they care about. Like, you know, during the pilot project, there's kind of two objectives. One is for them to kind of, you know, confirm whether or not causal can do the things they need. And then the second objective is for them to actually learn how to use causal themselves such that they can like carry on. Um, And these were just like really wild assumptions because then 
you know, so, so after that process, and we, we did that process with a bunch of people and, you know, very time consuming for everyone, for like the customer, for us. Um, I mean, we learned, we learned a ton through it and it was definitely good. Um, but, but then after that, we actually decided to ask people, we're still doing the pilot project thing. And so when we'd like say, okay, the next step is that we'll do like a pilot project with you. And then we kind of asked them, so what would you, what do you, what do you need to get out of the pilot project? Do you care about actually learning how to use causal or do you just need to like validate that it can do X, Y, or Z? And almost nobody cared about learning causal on the pilot project. Like they just cared about like validating whether it could do X, Y, and Z. And that was like, that was groundbreaking because like the learning how to use it, like learning how to use this new tool, that's like, it's, it's tricky. It takes a bunch of time. Like, you know, it, it takes like mental effort. And when someone hasn't bought into like buying this product, it's just some like random thing that they do once a week um, as part of their job. And so actually just asking them like, what do you, what would you need to get out of this pilot project <laughs> basically? Um, and then, yeah, then, then we just thought like, why are we assuming we need to do a pilot project? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then we just like, you know, for, for the past couple of weeks, we've just been telling people, you know, after the initial demo, we just say, cool, right? If you're interested, the next step is that we can set up a more personalized demo for you next week. Um, and, and then we literally just ask them, you know, what would you need to see on this personalized demo for you to then think, okay, this is awesome. And I'm definitely going to buy this. And I, I think this thing of just, just like asking people like exactly what they want, it, if it almost feels like cheating, like, I, d I don't know why we hadn't just been, we'd been doing it in some respects, but yeah, we had a lot of unquestioned assumptions around this, the structure of these pilot projects and things like this. And, um, yeah, now the process is a lot shorter and we just ask people like, you know, what would you need to see on the, on, on the personalized demo for you to buy causal? And then they'll say like X, Y, and Z. And then I'm like, okay, so you're telling me if next week we can show you X, Y, and Z, <laughs> you will, you will become a customer. And then they're like, yeah, honestly, yeah, I mean, that, that's what you'd see. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And then, so what, what do you think in your head? Do you think? okay, we can do X, Y, and Z. Or what do you think? Okay, let's build X, Y, and Z before next no, week. The thing is, we're at the point where we can do X, Y, and Z. We can, we can actually, like, the product is really good for these people. Like, we can actually do, we, we don't come into any stuff these days that we can't do. Like, last year, you know, for almost every customer, they, there'd be some, like, random edge case or thing that they need to do that Coral couldn't quite handle. Yeah. Like, we have all the surface area now. We can actually do, you know, we know what pain points they're going to have. Like, we can do we can do everything they, that they need for the most part. Um have have yeah. you have you got a business coach at all? I mean, somewhat. I mean, yeah, it depends what you mean by business coach. Do you have someone that you meet with on your own once a week to talk through this sort of stuff with the business? Yeah, we have a sale. I, I, we have a sales coach. And I think he was a big help in actually questioning these assumptions. He was like, you know, why do you? He, I, I think I think the insight was actually from him of like, why do you think they need to learn how to use causal during the pilots? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are, we have the sales coach who's definitely been really helpful on that front and then yeah we catch up with our you know some investors on a monthly basis and i guess that's almost like a business coaching type thing okay um because i was thinking i reckon you'd actually benefit from a weekly business coach really because it's exactly this sort of assumption testing that a good business coach does where it's like, like it, it'll, it'll likely be someone who does not have domain expertise in the realm of, I don't know, financial modeling, but they will know enough, like a good business coach knows enough about businesses to know what the, what the common things are for each business. And right. for basically all businesses, all of the things are the same, like, you know, sales, marketing, operations, whatever. Um, and that outside perspective 
if you were to if there were to be like okay what's your okay like if if i were to ask you right now like what's your what's your biggest struggle with growing the business or what would you say biggest challenge rather i think the biggest challenge is getting people onboarded okay onboarded as in they've signed up and they've paid and now they need to yeah now they need to dedicate a bunch of time in to like getting set up and learning the ropes and things like that okay so how many people do you have like for like uh, proportionally waiting to be set up at the moment we have like a handful who sort of have paid but aren't quite set up yet okay um interesting and why do you have to get them set up for them to like actually use the products and get value out of it basically there's there's an upfront time investment for like switching over to a new tool yeah and it's hard for them to make the time slash find the time to do that because they have their regular day-to-day job okay so what is uh, so so for example a bit a business coach might be asking you those questions and we're, we're going to be like okay so what's your process for this and just sort of just ask you a load of questions yeah. and uh, most people i've spoken to about who who, who who do this sort of stuff including me were like most like you know if you have like an hour-long meeting with a business coach 59 minutes of it is you just sort of telling them the stuff about your business and just clarifying your thinking but for one minute in that they might ask you a question that makes you think oh my god that's yeah, a really good yeah. question why the hell are we doing it that way yeah, yeah automatically yeah. that like that one minute and that one call has paid for their whole year whole year's worth of roi for that business yeah yeah yeah. and so it, it is almost a no-brainer uh to have at least you know one of these calls a week where you can just talk to someone about this stuff for an hour who's got an outside perspective who doesn't have a horse in the race as such other than wanting you to succeed and is not like related to the company related to anyone else in the company that that, that sort of stuff yeah um yeah, I think the sales coach is essentially playing that role, and it's like it's it's really valuable to have these sort of weekly conversations with him. And he he also just like is a domain expert on B two B SaaS sales, and so for like the more specific tactical stuff of like, hey, you should say this in the cold emails, or you should say this on the call. You know, he can also sort of help with that. Nice. So yeah, that, I, I think pretty helpful. Um, yeah, it's great. How 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 much are you paying this uh, sales coach if you're allowed to share? I think we pay him five hundred dollars an hour or something. Okay. That's yeah, so it was cool. it was on the on the cheaper end of sales coaches I talked to. Um, but I think I thought I vibed with him um yeah. the most out of them. And I think I think like vibing with the other person is um like there was another guy who charged like fifteen hundred an hour and on on paper his like qualifications were probably a bit better or whatever, but I just felt like I vibed with him less and okay. well, what made you think you need a sales coach? I didn't even realize sales coaches existed. Um so actually another founder friend recommended um, recommended him to us. And I think lo- lots of founders at this stage basically have a sales coach to help, you know, figure out the sales process and iron things out and, and that kind of thing. Okay. And it basically yeah. just saves you a bunch of time. Like with this other founder friend of mine said that this guy basically saved him somewhere between like three and six months of floundering around of his, on his own and figuring things out more quickly. Mm-hmm. And so if you could pay money to like save three three or six months of your life, that's that's amazing. Okay. Um I guess the next question is why not apply the sales coach model to the other aspects of the business? If the other aspects of the business are fine, I think we've got it covered. I think there's the, at the moment it's like the sales side of things that we're figuring out. Okay. I think on the, on the product side, we're very good. I think on the engineering side. Um, yeah, but look, we have lots of sort of various advisors and specialists who we do go to about stuff when we need to. Like, for example, um, yeah, there's this like super tech. Yeah, but basically one of the sort of benefits of having a fund invest in your company is that they have like a broad network and they have their own like team of people that can help with stuff and so when it came to announcing our fundraise um i was sort of working with the head of marketing from the fund who helps with this stuff and she hooked us up with like some pr agency 
and I'm you know kind of working with them to figure out the press release and all this kind of, all the kind of stuff that like you wouldn't know yourselves and so you know for for whenever whenever stuff comes up there are always specialists in our network at hand to help and so that's mm-hmm. that's that's all fine i think oh, the, cool. um, yeah yeah i i guess i haven't quite appreciated that aspect of having a <laughs> kind of funded startup because every time I've had to, had to do stuff, it's always been a case of either I flounder about on my own or I actively go out and seek someone who can help me with this thing. Yeah. And whenever I've actively seek someone out to help me with their thing, it's just always been helpful. Yeah. Um, but even now, my default is still, is still to flounder around and try and figure, figure things out myself. So I always have to think, no, no, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Step back, find out who can help, help with this and just get on a call with them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's also just like about asking, you know, other, other people in your position what they did. Like the sales coach thing, like when your sales coaches existed, um, I think we actually chatted to one about a year ago, um, but I think we were too soon for that. Like the product just wasn't really there and, and various other things. I so just yeah, asking people and, and, you know, there's a bunch of like mailing lists where, um, yeah, we have, we have some like investors in London, a bunch of like London companies are part of their portfolio. And there's like a founder's mailing list there. And maybe like once or twice a week, someone will send an email around to all the founders saying like, Hey guys, I'm looking for like a a CTO coach or something, or what would you recommend? Or like, Hey guys, I'm trying to like do this thing. How you know, has anyone had to deal with this legal thing before or whatever? And yeah, I think just like, oh. Oh, that's nice. and then people, people just like reply all and be like, Oh, I know this person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? <laughs> you can send an email out to a bunch of people, they'll reply all and you'll actually get some yeah. <laughs> stuff coming out of it. Yeah, exactly. How many, how many people are in the team now? We are now six people full time. Okay. And are you like, what sort of management-y stuff are you doing with these six people? I have uh, a weekly one-on-one with our head of business operations. I have bi-weekly one-on-ones with our engineers. And then there's a few kind of recurring meetings that we have. So we have a weekly recurring sales meeting where we just, you know, take stock of what's going on the sales side of things. Yeah. We have a bi-weekly, more high-level business planning meeting where we just think about what are the current top priorities are we like working on the right things we have weekly actual like sprint planning where we sit down and figure out exactly what tasks we're doing this week and what our goals for the week are and yeah then i have like monthly catch-ups with a few folks <clears throat> um yeah i guess those are kind of the managementy things i suppose mm, that sounds pretty good we have weekly socials which are really fun we, we we've been using this app called like backyard games or something it's just like some online thing where you all like yeah. join this thing and then you can play games together it's really fun oh nice yeah i want to start start doing a better job at our weekly socials we sort of had this weekly takeaway night thing um which was fine but then we had we were running our live cohort for the youtuber academy and then there was always stuff going on at those times instead so i want to reinstate like the the, the weekly social in some capacity yeah a couple of weeks ago we had every, everyone had to like <clears throat> make a short kind of powerpoint about their life their life story basically and that was really cool oh, okay Who, whose idea was that this was andrew's idea one of our engineers he's our like uh social sec like, so, social secretary yeah nice oh that's a good shout um that would be interesting why did your window just open uh, a sudden gust of wind <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah it's uh, quite a uh, low budget apartment <laughs> I've, I've, I've been getting a fair a fair few comments so i put out a video like last week two weeks ago called something like nine passive income ideas how i make twenty seven thousand dollars per week and 
that video started doing really well. And anytime a video does well and starts to go viral, it still sort of goes beyond your existing audience of people that are wholesome and nice. Yeah. Uh, all, all these comments being like, why well, you live in some lame ass apartment with a, with a roommate? You must be lying about this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm always surprised at the squalor that you live in whenever I come around. It's just always a state. <laughs> Something's always, there's always some like dodgy smell. <laughs> the temperature is always messed up. <laughs> yeah, right now. There's always freaking yeah. clothes being dried in the middle of the kitchen. <laughs> like literally every time. Okay, I so, so that's not me these days because I, I now outsource my laundry. <laughs> but like where else, where else does one dry clothes? I don't, don't bloody know. Get a combined washer dryer. <laughs> no, but we've all, it's we've got a built-in washing machine that doesn't have a dryer function, and we have oh. no place to put a dryer. So, what's a man supposed to do <laughs> other than have two clothing racks in the middle of the kitchen, <laughs> obstructing anyone's path to try to walk <laughs> walk through? Oh. We had them on the balcony at one point, but then we just get super cold on the balcony and then fly away. <laughs> oh God! Hey, this is the this is a real problem. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, because always in your videos, like the room always looks clean and <laughs> correct. <laughs> Everything gets shoved off to the side <laughs> yeah. and behind the camera. Yeah, I always imagine like literally outside of frame, there's like a massive pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty much the exact situation right now. And I feel it, it it looks all right all right behind me, but I've got like four boxes of Microsoft Surface products over here. I've got a keyboard cable organizer, another laptop, loads of unopened Apple products over here that you probably can't see, and all of the camera stuff set up over there, which is making this living room look like an absolute tip. I think that's partly why I like going to WeWork, because it's clean yeah. and I don't have to look at all the mess. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come back home and I sleep, and it's like, great, I never have to go into the living room <laughs> <laughs> to see all the lights and the camera and the mics everywhere. But life of an influencer, man. What can you do? Yeah. It ain't easy, but someone's got to do it. Are we actually going to have an episode, like a topic? I mean, we've actually um, been going for like an hour. Have we? I think this is fine as an episode. Then <laughs> it can be just like our uh, our catch up call. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm happy with this as the episode. Anything else that's going on? Mm, we're uh, officially officially launching a line of merch now. It's all uh, oh, yeah. in the in the production stage. As it's a stationary brand. As a stationary brand, yeah. It's going to be called essentially. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like it. That's a lot better than uh, Wasteman or whatever. Wasteman or whatever, yeah. So we have like a really classy logo, yeah. Um, but like essentially spell A-L-I at the end. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a riddle, did you? <laughs> hey, it's going to be good. I, know, I bought, I bought the, 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 the domain Essentia.li. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if people will think it's weird because it's like a Lithuanian domain. Uh, annoyingly, Essentially.com wasn't available without spelling. So what's the process here? Do you basically, so actually one of our customers is a company that helps influencers launch merch brands and things like really? this. What company is this? It's called Genflow. So like if you want to like launch your own like clothing brand or whatever, they'll basically do all the work for you. Oh, yes. I've seen this website before. I think probably because I clicked to it from Causal, if you have them as, as a case study. No, they're not on the website at the moment. Oh, okay. We help influencers build brands. Yeah, so basically, like, if you want to launch a, a, a footwear brand or something, you basically go to them and say, hey, like, I want to launch this footwear brand. They'll actually, like, produce all this stuff, charge you, like, a fee, and take, like, a small cut of your revenue. And you don't have to, like, actually launch a footwear brand. Or rather, you don't have to build a footwear company. You just, like, have this brand. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm sort of working with uh, 
with this other like um, YouTuber management agency that a few other friends are part of, and they're sorting out the logistics and the all the, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, yeah. All right. How does the merch fit into the mission, mate? <laughs> Um, because, well, it's a good question. Uh, I think you'll find that when you have stationery that helps you plan your day, that uh, is literally the definition of helping you do more of the things that matter to you. <sighs> okay. Take that. <laughs> yeah, look, no. I've, I've, look, the reason I'm skeptical of this is that you knew you were going to do the merch thing because, like, it's a thing people do. It's a good you know, source of revenue or whatever. Like, no, that's that's not why. Like, there are, there are plenty of better sources of revenue than doing the the merch. It's not because it's a thing people do. It's because it would just be really freaking cool to have your own stationary brand and be able to like design planners and stuff based on, sort of literally custom designed for the way that I like to plan my day. Mostly the cool factor of having a stationary brand and having my own stationary. Like that's just sick. I I couldn't care less if we didn't make any money on this. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. fair play. Um, I've 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 started to have have this attitude with a lot of a lot of the other stuff that we're doing because there are like two two aspects of the business are YouTuber Academy and Skillshare that generate like 95% of the revenue of the business. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like anything that doesn't fit into those <laughs> is almost just like not even worth doing. Oh, okay, um, right. At least from a revenue generation perspective. Yeah. And so the model in my, my head is always like, well, we're not really making any money from this thing as a proportion of okay, sure. the yeah, overall yeah. pie. Therefore, what if we just did it for free or what if we just didn't do it? What if we, like, you know, yeah, yeah. partly why kind of sponsor sponsors for this, for this podcast. If it's, you know, each, if we're having to put out an in-between episode because we have a sponsor, but the sponsors are such a tiny chunk of the overall revenue of the business. What's the point of having sponsors? Let's just do the podcast and keep it fun and be able to do it whenever we want, rather than having that like limitation mm. from the sponsor, like added to it. Yeah. So I started thinking about that on all the other aspects of, of the biz as well. <laughs> nice. Should we, um, do you have any insights to share with us this week? Yeah, um, there's one that I'm going to put in my newsletter later today. So a lot of the people that I coach in terms of YouTubing, so like, for example, let's take my magician friend, who's my now my magic coach, but friend as well. So he went through a YouTuber academy and he's making videos about kind of how to, how to be a magician, what that's like and stuff. But because he's been doing it for 15 years, he really has the curse of knowledge about it. And the the way that he is approaching his channel is like, I need to make a video that would appeal to my magician brethren. Uh, oh, and if I'm yeah, making yeah. an online course about how to be a magician, it needs to be legit and it needs to have references and it needs to, mm. you know, include the story of magic. And what he doesn't see, uh, unless someone else points it out to them, is that no one cares about any of that stuff. Yeah. And really like the people that want to learn magic want to learn it because they want to learn something easy that they can learn quickly to impress their friends. And that's the main thing they care about. They don't really care about the history of prestidigitation or like, you know, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever was going to go into this course or like the references from which specifically which edition of the Genie magazine from 1984 you got this particular trick from and where the inspiration was like, no one cares. That's a very kind of only magicians care about this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think this applies to a lot, uh, so much more in our, in everyone's lives where we if we're if we're doing something kind of like your thing about assumptions like we we, we have all these assumptions around w what people care about yeah. without actually testing whether people care about them yeah yeah, yeah. i think every almost everyone who i've who have coached and kind of doing youtube doesn't realize that what's obvious to them can be like amazingly insightful for other people yeah um and the thing with this magician guy matthew is that when i put it to him in the in the context of something that he knew about he was like oh yeah that's so true but he couldn't 
he, it, it was very hard to take to take the general principle outside of that context. And what I mean is that as as a magician, one of the common tropes is that you could spend like five years learning an incredibly complicated sleight of hand thing with a deck of cards, yeah. and you could show it to someone and be like, okay, cool. Or you could spend a fiver buying a fake deck of cards and do yeah. a trick that will. Oh my god, this is the best magic I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And magicians will like amongst themselves do this thing of like, hey, I spent five years learning the center deal, and you know, this is my resource that I learned for that, and I learned it from Di Vernon's original manuscript from 1924. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of when they start performing in the real world, we realize, oh my god, no one actually gives gives a ten. <laughs> yeah. And when I said that to Matthew, he was like, oh my God, that's literally so right. This is what I tell all the magicians. But he was, for in, in the, in, out, outside of that context, like applying it to the YouTube channel was like, a, was like more of a leap. And so what I've, what I've been thinking is that in a similar way, like the domains in which I know this phenomenon exists, like magic or like YouTubing and stuff, what else is there in my life that I am not just taking the wider lesson and, and applying and what am I making more of a big, big deal than it needs to be to satisfy my own, my, my own assumptions. Right. Um, and so this led to a, a conversation with the, with like Angus and the team around our YouTuber Academy. And basically at every stage of the conversation, I was asking, okay, what's the assumption behind that? And I think it was a bit annoying, but like after this, like one hour long call, we realized, oh my God, we're, we're doing all these things without having a clear reason for doing them. We could just do it differently or we could just not do them at all. And I wonder if anyone would actually care. Like, are we just playing the inner game of we're, we're, we're doing it this way because the people in the cohort-based community of courses who have like $2,000 courses, they do it in this way and they must have a good reason for it. But does anyone actually care? Uh, so there was some insight around that of like, you know, putting, remembering to put ourselves into the shoes of the people that we're talking to and thinking, what do they actually care about and what do they want rather than what do I think they want based on my assumptions, which are actually just based on a very limited people of uh, network that I have access to. Hmm. Yeah, I fully back that. I, I say I, I like 95% back that. Like, I, I, I fully back it in the context of, like, you know, this magician guy is making, like, a course to teach people. And, you know, there the, the aim is very much to, like, to teach people, you know. And if they don't care about, you know, Di Vernon's original manuscript, then you shouldn't have it in there, really. <laughs> but, for example, you know, I, I'd push back against, like, you know, I think it is still worthwhile to do some things, like, learn the center deal for five years rather than just buying a fake deck. Like there, there, there is such thing as like craft and caring about that sort of for its own sake or, or, or for whatever reason, like the goal of everything isn't to pander to an audience. I think, you know, the goal of like, you know, teaching an online course about something is obviously, you know, it's obviously very like audience focused, but sure, yeah. you know, if you, if you're a magician and you just had like a bunch of gimmicks that you bought and you did this thing, yes, you could probably go to go on some streets and make people laugh, but like, you probably care about more than just that at that point, right? Yeah, I buy that. I think I like was. Um, I've, I've been defining thinking about the objective this. of what, what is the thing you actually care about and optimize yeah. for that. Yeah, I've been thinking about this in the context of guitar because, like, I watched these. I watched these like fingerstyle guitar videos, and I think before I'd picked up a guitar, I never appreciated just how ridiculously difficult it is to do that. You know, like playing chords is whatever. Like anyone can learn this in a few days, but like, it, it seems to me. Like playing fingerstyle guitar, where like just you and your two hands are playing like six different parts of a song, like all together at the same time. Like it, it just seems unreasonably difficult. And I, I, and I, I'd go so far as to say that a lot of the times, it is, it, it seems like way more difficult than it's worth to an, an audience just listening to it. For example, there's a there's a song called The Entertainer, which is a a, a ragtime song for piano. 
by Scott Joplin, right? It's a very easy piano piece. Like, you know, any, anyone can learn the entertainer on piano, right? That's fine. And it, and, it, and it sounds really good. It sounds great. It was made for piano, right? There's a guy, there's a few people on YouTube who have learned the entertainer for, for fingerstyle guitar. And the level of difficulty that is, it's just through the roof compared to like how good it sounds. It sounds good, but if, if, you, if you're not a guitarist, you probably have no appreciation for just what a feat that is. And so I kind of think like, man, <laughs> these, these guys are, are obviously in it for the craft because if they were in this for like, I don't know, just impressing people at parties or something, they would definitely not learn <laughs> the entertainer figure style, you know? And so I, I do think that's eh, worth it. I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for them, as long as they're clear that their objective is to do it for the craft, Whereas if they were, for example, a struggling musician busking on the streets and thinking, and if, and if a business coach, for example, were to ask them, what's your actual objective here? And they were like, look, I just want to make a thousand pounds a month. Yeah. It would be reasonable for the business coach to be like, okay, stop spending six months of your life practicing the entertainer on fingerstyle. Yeah. Learn basic pop songs with four chords that people will think, I recognize that song and give you money. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it is just about knowing what is the what's the game that you're playing and how how are you going to play the game mm. uh, on that note though i think it's i agree for some uh, what i didn't appreciate about fingerstyle guitar until i started to learn it is that stuff that looks really 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 hard is often not um okay um, yeah. a lot of fingerstyle guitar is creating a chord shape and then not moving very much and yeah. fingerstyling with the right hand without yeah, yeah, yeah which sounds amazing and if you didn't know that that's what's happening, that you you would think that they've just invented this pattern of notes and it, yeah 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 the chord shape with a bit of yeah 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 I, get um, what you mean. I do get what you mean. So yeah, uh, figure out what you want and work towards it is the insight, I guess, which is just so obvious, so as not to be insightful. <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> what up, mate? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> what about you? Any insights? I feel like I did have something recently. Uh, I've stopped using Rome these days. I just don't care. Well, I n I'd never actually looked through my Rome stuff. I had, I'd been you know, putting my little daily journal type thing, putting little events and stuff in there. I never looked at it. What's the point of all this? I mean, maybe it'll be cool to look over at some point, but yeah. Oh, I use, I, I, I look at mine daily. Like what, what do you put into it that you're then not looking at? I used to just like put in any notable events from the day. Actually, I think events are nice to look back on, I guess. Yeah, like when you're doing your annual review, you can just flick through your room or your calendar or, and just see. Oh, okay. But in that context, like if it's a notable event, it'll probably have been in your calendar. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just hadn't really been getting much value from, from room. And the thing um, that I use it for is any, anytime I have a call with someone, I'll just take a few, put in their name and take a few quick notes. So that two months later, when I have another call with them, I'm like, oh yeah. That's what we talked about yeah. last time. Let's ask ask him about this thing. Yeah, I've got I've got like a record of all my meetings in Notion and stuff. So, yeah, I guess that kind of covers a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, well, what about like calls with friends and stuff? Do you write about that or do you just remember? Yeah. So after after like um, social events, have I? I guess I haven't had like a ton of social events recently. Um, actually, no, I've had a, I've had some recently that I didn't make a note of. But yeah, I, I used to gen sort of always after a social event like write out who was present, what the topics of conversation were and stuff like that. And that is interesting to look back on, but I, I just don't look back on it very often. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, at the moment it doesn't really sound like you have a lot of use cases for Rome because you're not really, I think it's particularly good if you're trying to kind of produce knowledge work. I think if you were, if you took notes on all your kids stuff and put it into Rome and then you were writing. Yeah, yeah I, do have, I do have that stuff. Yeah, that, Rome. that would be useful. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like just 
writing that this is what happened to me today not necessarily particularly useful but yeah uh yeah i don't think i have any insights to be honest um we already read out some reviews so i think we should just um cool call it something over to WeWork. have a chat with my friend paul and uh yeah good stuff right thank you all for listening and see you next week see you later That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at nOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.